All right, we are back. Clinch Perfect Podcast. I'm Ben, joined by Tom as always. How are you doing, mate? I'm great, thanks. Good. Looking forward to the, to the episode. What episode are we on? That's a, that's um, a genuine question. 12. 12. How have we made it this far? Props to us. <laughs> I'm going to give us like a, a virtual pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, st- I'll start. We were going to start off with someone who's definitely not getting a pat on the back this week, weren't we? Um, Stefan Bonner has been in, been in the news for the wrong reasons again. And um, my question I put on the notes was who had who had the worst week, him or uh, Haytag Pliev on Cage Fury, where everyone saw lost his fucking finger in the middle of a fight. Since we've got uh, no UFC to review last weekend, I figure we can go some in-depth analysis on this. Stefan Bonner for just looking like an absolute muppet, surely. I mean, I he's kind that... of he's kind of made that his his trademark now. To be fair, yeah, it's. It just seems like a very angry American. <laughs> I feel like that's the most accurate description ever. Like if you had to describe Stephen Bonner in a sentence, just an angry American. Well, um, when I yeah. when I looked at the story, I completely forgot um, his last MMA fight was against Tito Ortiz, and I thought, how ironic, because they would get along so well now. Like they hated <laughs> each other then, but they'd love each other now. Like the the collective brain cells in that octagon, or it wasn't octagon, was it? it was Bellator. So um, yeah. What a, what a um, Forrest Griffin just gave him permanent. conversation they would have, but yeah, Pliev. I mean, do you see that, that they were saying that? Um, I think it was that Aaron, can't remember his last name from ESPN. That said, uh, yeah. yeah, that they announced over the Tannoy system for people in the crowd at Cage Fury to look for the finger. Yeah, so, and it wasn't just it wasn't just people to look for the finger. It wasn't just in the cage, was it? That's the weird. Like it was no, actually in the crowd. It. Like they think it. They, they thought it flown into the audience or whatever. It's just, Bizarre. I mean, audience, social distance, of course, but crazy, crazy scenes. When it first started, I thought it was April Fools. Genuinely, like when it, when it happened, I was like, "Oh, no, there's no way!" Like that was just like horse shit. And then on further inspection, it was like, "Oh no, this guy's legitimately lost his finger in a fight." And I hate shit what- like that as well because I scroll through Twitter and I see it, and I go, "Oh, get that fucking off my screen! Get it off my screen!" <laughs> and then I have to go back to it and look at it again. And then I'm like, no, I get it off. And then I go back and look at it. <laughs> like, it's like a car crash you just can't look away from. I think, like, I think the thing that people aren't really talking about is the fact he wanted to continue. Like, yeah, I, he didn't I, even, I think he fought, what, another few minutes after it happened and didn't even know it had happened? Yeah, just another level of tough. Another level of tough. It's, it, I'm actually speechless. I, I wrote a piece about it. Um, and, and there's a... I, don't know, I think it was... Um, uh, Mark Romondi from ESPN, who shared a photo of him getting his, his hands stitched together. And you can literally, I mean, I hope you're not squeamish because you can literally see like the pins and everything going back into, it, it looks like some, it's got like a Frankenstein finger. There we go. That's it. I'll avoid Pop that. I'll avoid episode, that. T- episode title. There we go. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was watching a video, like uh, I told you just before we started recording of a, of a doctor who like explained sports injuries on YouTube. And he was looking at this one and he was saying that like, just before it happened, the, uh, his glove was getting pulled on. And so that glove tightening on the like on that rung of his finger would have made the, the top of his finger go numb and like acted as a tourniquet, so he wouldn't have actually felt it. So maybe he's not tough. Maybe maybe he just couldn't even oh, feel so like it, it as literally his finger cut off, got chopped off. It cut off the circulation then. I see. Yeah, he was saying that like the, because of the way the gloves are, you know, like with your fingers pointing out from the I don't know what is it the second top joint, the um the circulation would have been cut off because it would have been acting like a tourniquet when he was getting his glove pulled on. And then he wouldn't have actually been able to feel a thing when it got ripped off, which is absolutely crazy. But I think when it happened, there was a moment where he kind of like, he like grabbed his glove with his other hand. Like he <laughs> thought there was something in there. Like, what the, f- what is that? And then, then decided to continue fighting. So still a tough bastard. Yeah, it's got to be right. One of the freakiest injuries ever seen. I, I, I can't think of anything more crazy. And we've seen some pretty like bizarre injuries in the UFC, but. Yeah, there was that um, last year, was it Brahimaj? Was that his name? His ear like, cut open uh, or something yeah, he like yeah. was falling was, off almost I, I was thinking that or like over his lip but nothing on oh your internet's gone oh there you are there we You're go good. please don't die on me please <laughs> yeah over his lip was pretty mad but um yeah nothing on that scale i mean his lip was still there it was just ripped a little yeah. bit <laughs> yeah so we had uh we had no fight to talk about this weekend so we had to begrudgingly watch bellator <laughs> um may i just add before we get started bbc what are you playing at? Oh, the coverage was shocking. Yeah. On the prelims, as soon as every fight finished, it just brought up this like little 
like interval screen where it just had a pre like it just had a preview for the main event and it didn't show any of the re- like you could hear them explaining the replays but it didn't show any that you were just listening to them explain replays that you weren't watching it's an absolute shambles but um i mean the prelims the matchmaking on the prelims what <laughs> like you could see it beforehand when you looked at the odds beforehand they were all super one-sided and that's how pretty much all the fights went like i think is it um for aldo he looked really impressive but it was just such a mismatch like wasn't even worth that fight happening really like i don't even think he took a punch and then um was it newman as well looked really dominant on the prelims yeah i, th- I think it's i think the, the overarching problem with bellator right is that and this isn't necessarily a personal attack or a criticism but they they have they do have high levels of competition like we saw that in the main event right but they don't have like, the depth the, yeah exactly the depth they are they are so shallow when it comes to their divisions that's why i think their ranking system is just stupid frankly because they don't have enough fighters to like call top fives or top tens or whatever um it just it isn't deep enough and you saw that on the prelims when they're putting out fights which frankly i, I wouldn't want to see it at like a, a regional circuit like, I, I wouldn't see that a cage i wouldn't see that kind of matchmaking at cage steel um or lux or or you name it like they were put on better fights i, I think it's kind of doing a disservice to the fighters they've got all the, all the stars that they've got like the pitbulls the um liam mccourts the cyborgs to have this this like lack of depth because yeah as a fan as well you don't want to see fights that are so one-sided all the time and that's mm-hmm. literally what the the prelims were it was just one-sided domination from start to finish um I mean, the yeah, finish I mean, was good. I don't get me wrong. It was, it was fun. But There was a lot of finishes to start off, and then I think there was a, a decision. And then um, Magomed, Magomedov got a sub. Was that the featured prelim, I think, on uh, on CJ Hamilton? I was thinking, when I was watching that, UFC made a mistake not having him, to be honest. Like, I think this is PTM twice. Yeah, he's, he's Jan's only legit <laughs> defeat, isn't he? Um, <laughs> so, sorry, Aldo, don't kill me. Me not included. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the main—I mean, the main card was a little bit better than the prelims, to be fair. The Pit—I mean, Pitbull's win was really impressive. I don't know if you saw. I think today he was on Errol Hawani and he was saying cross promotion is is the logical next step that they need to do. And Scott Coker tweeted happen, and though. said, "My door's always open," which actually means fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, we can throw the the idea of cross promotion out the window. It's just—it's it's not feasible, and not only is it not feasible, it, I think it kind of devalues the UFC. Right, like they are. The Champions League of MMA, and yeah, why, the, the, why would they let in gap. the B team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, it's a shame though because the matchups, particularly at one forty-five, like there's some dream matchups you'd make there with Pitbull, like Pitbull against but, Holloway, Pitbull against Volkanovski would be so much fun. But all due respect to Pitbull, if you look at his opponents and the opponents he's faced, he hasn't faced the Jose Aldo, he hasn't faced the Chad Mendes, like it. That's a level of competition that is just so far above what belts will have to offer. I think if Pitbull wants to prove that he's the number one featherweight, he's got to jump ship. And he won't do that because obviously he's on a fat contract and, and who who'd blame him. But I think this whole argument that he's the greatest featherweight in, in the sport is a bit, well, frankly, ridiculous. To say the, what, the one way you could probably justify it is the channel win, isn't it? But, you know, even even anyone, anyone can get caught. You know, he's got to do it consistently. And, and, and also um, channel is not featherweight. So the... Yeah, true. It's a redundant argument because he hasn't fought a Max. He hasn't fought a Volk. He hasn't fought a... a, a um, a Mendez or an Aldo, as I say. So, yeah. Having said that, like Jason Jackson beating um, Neiman Gracie, is it Neiman? I think it's Neiman. Um, I was surprised. I thought I thought Neiman would have a bit more about him, but it, it kind of. He didn't like... even really. I feel like he didn't do anything. No, was... <laughs> I nearly fell asleep in that fight. Even like even when he was on the ground, he swept him. Like he didn't have much to offer in terms of offense. So it's just like, oh, this is a bit boring. Um, Habib's cousin, though. I just want to talk about Habib's cousin. The guy's got he legit wrestling good, yeah. and unreal hands. Like, I mean, I was, I, I, I kind of joked the other day that I don't think Habib should win Coach of the Year. I'm sort of starting to eat my words a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, and, and Hamill's a tough opposition as well. I, I can't remember who he fought last, but his last fight was like Fight of the Year or something in Bellator last year, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could remember who that was against, but. Yeah, like he goes in there to, you know, to lay it on online and, you know, either leave on a stretcher or victorious. So, you know, it was a dangerous opponent for a young undefeated fighter. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it sounds it sounds harsh and, and perhaps I'm being 
a tad unfair, but I just hope they. I hope that Namagamadov clan just jumps ship and comes to the UFC at some point. Because can you imagine if they can get a, a Namagamadov champion in every single weight class? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you wouldn't get it in heavyweight and middleweight. World whatever, domination. But, but can you imagine like welterweight, featherweight, bantamweight? You name it. Like that'd be nuts. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Like they've clearly got this fighting style that is just so hard to beat, right? And with Habib at their in their corner and at their head, like, oh, I can't see anyone beating them any anytime soon. Yeah, they also announced after the uh, after the card that Cyborg will be fighting Leslie Smith again in oh May, which <laughs> I can tell by your reaction that you don't want to talk about. Um, I don't really either. I mean, what was it like a Moving one on. knockout last time or something? Um, it was in the first round anyway. And then obviously this weekend we got Ryan Bader against Leo Machida, which could be quite fun. I mean, I know it's like a seventy-year-old Leo Machida, but it's st- you know it's still him. It's a seventy-year-old Leo Machida and like a, what a sixty-year-old Ryan Bader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it feels. I don't know. It just feels. Like, it feels like a retirement fight for Machida. I just can't see anywhere he wins. Um, yeah, I, I'm quite. Part of me is like relatively excited about this this light heavyweight tournament, and then part I'm of me weirdly is just like, excited about it. They're just a bunch of old fogies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like none of them are really in their peak, apart from Nemkov. And it oh, yeah, feels I was like going to everything... say Nemkov is probably going to come out, come out on top quite comfortably, to be honest, in my opinion. But yeah, I'm, I have a, you know, I'm not a big Bellator fan, as as we know, but I have a weird sense of excitement about the uh, the light heavy tournament. I might just tune in for that. I'm not really asked about the rest of the card, to be honest. No, I think last week's card looked better and ended up not being that great. So <laughs> that's not a great sign. Um, you know, back back to UFC news. We've got the uh, the Ultimate Fighter coming back. The one thing I was disappointed with about this news was that it means we have to wait longer to have Volkanovski against Ortega. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only caveat is that Volk was so clearly affected by COVID, which again is mad, isn't it? Like the guy's supremely fit as Ariel. Well, he used to weigh seven hundred pounds. Yeah, well, yeah. Apart from that, but <laughs> <laughs> now he's ridiculously fit. Um, I mean, you, you just have to look at his training to see the, he, he does hill sprints, you name it. So for him to affect or for him to be affected that badly by COVID doesn't really bode well. But yeah, I, I'm I've seen a lot of mixed reactions on social media, which I can't really understand because if if, if anyone's tuned into Volk's YouTube or seen Volk in interviews, the guy is funny as hell. I don't know if it's just like Americans don't get sarcasm or like I think it's just like I said to you before we started, he's just not that prevalent in sort of the social media and media circles at the minute for the MMA I fans. Think, I, I don't know why, but he's just not. I don't think the max stands up either, obviously, but I'm really excited. I think he could actually offer lots of lot of up and coming fighters because he's kind of like, if you look at the people he's beaten as well, he's kind of been he's climbed up he's climbed up the ladder ever since his debut. One well, really. is a great story as well. I think um, he said to uh, to Ariel this week that he got rejected for the Ultimate Fighter. I think he said was it Australia versus Canada yeah, and he competed like that? at a welterweight. <laughs> yeah, he was a welterweight. Yeah, that was the other funny thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a great story, and he is a funny character, and. To be honest, I, I don't know as much about Ortega's personality or character because I only know him as a fighter. I don't really pay that much attention to him outside of the octagon because I don't really care. But um, I feel like they, can, yeah, they could be quite, quite a lot of wisecracking between the two. I feel like they're, they're going to have a bit of, like, there'll be a bit of banter, but it won't necessarily be needle. And I understand like the, the whole like thing Like Connor and is, Faber were. Like, they, yeah, they, exactly. they would give it to each other, but like in exactly. good faith. I mean, the difference is these two are actually going to fight. But Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I mean, I know everyone was crazy, craving like Masvidal Covington, but like, there's a reason that wasn't made, and that's not just necessarily down to money. Like, it's because neither of them you, can string a sentence together. I mean, yeah, that, that, that also applies. <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> any any combination of those two or Usman would be awful. But also, I mean, of, I love Usman as a fighter, but he, he just talks around in circles. We got to realize as well, like the UFC is now on ESPN; it's on ABC. Like these are big networks, right? And tough will be yeah. going out. Like I think it's going. They don't want ESPN Colby and Masvidal just no, swearing exactly. every second word. They want other. like PR-friendly fighters who can give a bit of dig and and take a bit of banter. And, and the the two fighters they've chosen, I think, are perfect because, well, they they they're vastly different, but their their humor is quite similar. Like Ortega, he's done film work. Um, I think he did, he did a film on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called, but um, he's also worked with like Hal Berry, and so he's, he clearly understands like the Hollywood angle. And I think that would actually work really well on Tough. So I'm um, yeah. I mean, the the main thing for me is the fact it's back, and that means we're going to get more seasons, which is all I care about because I just can't wait for Adesanya Till. But that's another story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> that is a that is one way down the line, mate. Um, we've got a hell of a lot of fun matchups been announced since we uh, since we recorded our, our last episode last week. 
But I did want to pick up a, a mythical matchup question I saw on Twitter before we go into those, which was someone asking who would win between Prime Rockhold and, and Adesanya. And my first in- instinct was to say, oh, well, Rockhold would obviously get caught and that chin would just capitulate. But I don't know. I feel like every, everyone I saw in the replies was 90% Adesanya. I feel like people are overlooking just how good Prime Rockhold was. The Rockhold who came back and beat uh, Machida after losing to the Belfort, I think it was a second fight after losing to Belfort. I think, like, not... arrogance is the wrong word. He was arrogant, but he was calculated. Like, everything he threw, he threw with spite, but he also mixed in like submission game. And I, I don't really think we've seen, I don't really I think we've really seen Adesanya challenged in that way. We haven't seen anyone take him to the ground. I mean, other than um, when Jan took him down, but that wasn't like heavyweight at middleweight. It had been a bit different, obviously, um, just because of the weight differential and the difference in strength. But like Rockhold's quite big as well for a middleweight. So yeah, like, we've seen him compete at light heavyweight. And that's another thing that I think would have factored in. And his, and his height as well. Like Adesanya is quite a tall middleweight. I think he's actually one of the tallest in the division. So to stand up against Rockhold, who again himself is quite tall, I think it would have made like it would have been fireworks written all over it. And it'd be a hell of a fun matchup. I, yeah. I don't, like it's almost making me sad that it's never gonna happen because Rockhold's chin is dead. Yeah, yeah, long with the chin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but on onto the real matchups. We got um Wonderboy vs. Burns, I think is the, the headliner of, of all of those that have been announced in the last week. Um I'm signing with Wonderboy here. I love Gilbert Burns, he's a fun fighter to watch. And just I love that he just goes in there and just goes balls to the wall the whole time. But I feel like Wonderboy's gonna piece him up, I'm not gonna lie. The only way Burns wins this is if he does what Pettis did and lands like it, it wasn't a lucky punch, obviously, because it was it was well timed and everything, but that kind of moment, right? Let's be honest. That you can't beat one boy on the feet unless you land something out out of the ordinary. And I don't think Burns. He's, has he's almost got impossible to take down yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. I I don't think Burns has got that in his locker. My real question with this matchup is, where does that leave Kobe? Like, where well, does Kobe go from here? Sitting out, hoping for a title fight, isn't he? But that's dangerous. I mean, if, if one him. of these guys goes on and put you know puts on a show against not even these guys, if Leon if Leon Edwards completely murks Nate Diaz. Yeah, because that's such a, a big fight. market fight as well now, yeah. thanks to the name of Nate Diaz, yeah. But not only that, it's the first five-round non-title co-main event in the UFC's history. Like, if that doesn't tell you that he's going to get the title shot, whoever wins that is going to get the title shot next, I don't know what does. Like, the UFC clearly aren't in the Colby coming to business at the moment. If Colby wants to get in the title picture, he needs to fight maybe someone like a Chiesa. Is that is that the right move next? No, he needs to do something. He can't just sit on the sidelines and cross his fingers that they give him the, the next shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the the next matchup you got on the list, mate, is phenomenal. Korean Zombie Dan Eager, um, June nineteenth, fight night headliner. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, really thankful this is five rounds as well because, I mean, I was I was about to say I hope we get twenty five minutes of war, but I was going to say that about Eager's last fight, and he ruined <laughs> it in like ten seconds. Oh, sorry, twenty seconds. I'm not going to be uh, DC and Bisping, not knowing how much time it is, but um. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping this one goes at least a little bit um, longer than that one because, I mean, gee, I just got fireworks written all over this. Yeah, because I don't. I don't think Ige's necessarily got like the technical boxing to do what Ortega did to Tigger. So, no. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an absolute scrap. My only issue is I'm a bit surprised it's a it's a headliner or the main event just because I know Zombie's a bit of a name or is a name. He's a big name in South Korea, especially, but. Coming off, what is it, two losses or one loss in a row? Is it two losses in a row? I, just, uh, I realized I just said one loss in a row. I didn't mean that. I, mean, one I, think, loss. I think it is two, isn't it? Because the Rodriguez yeah. fluke, that was a fluke, KL, um, <laughs> was uh, was before the loss to Ortega. I'm just going to check some of them because I swear I saw... Oh, wait, no. Didn't he stop Rankiego? Or is that a different... Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. Um, yes, okay. So... Stopped in his tracks. Well, not really stopped in his tracks, but dominated by Ortega. I, I don't know. I just think it's a bit surprising. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, uh, what about it being the main event? Since 2012, this is what I was just looking up while you were talking then. Uh, every TKZ fight has been a main event. He oh, was a main man. event against Poirier, and then he was a main event against Aldo, Dennis Bermudez, Yaya Rodriguez, Anato Moicano. We forgot about that one. Um, oh, yeah. And then Frankie Edgar, and then Brian Ortega. Every single one of those was the main event. So... Whether it's the, it must be the know, South Asian appeal, yeah, yeah. Whether it's the market there or whether it's just that the UFC loves the way—I mean, 
we all love I mean, yeah, he's a fan friendly fights, fighter. Like, he's one of yeah. my favorite fighters in the roster, so I'm 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 personally happy with it as a half. He seems to be a guaranteed main event no matter who he's fighting. But um, yeah, I th- I think this one probably favors him just a little bit because I, I think Iga did struggle a little bit against Cater when it like you say when it comes to the technical boxing. But I mean, <laughs> you can't count him off after what he just did in his last fight. Yeah, and, and no disrespect to Zombie, of course, but he has shown a bit of a uh. I don't know what the word is. Like, I mean, I know Ortega kind of pieced him up, but I don't know. Like, Ortega's not really a, well, he is a puncher in the sense that he's not picked up before, but do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not really, it, it feels like some of his punch resistance is gone. Um, maybe it was that Yaya elbow from hell. I don't know, but yeah. Which I'm wasn't not, actually a fluke, but I always call it a fluke because I wanted <laughs> Zombie to win. Um, <laughs> and then this one, I know you're more excited about this one than any other. Sirogan and Volkov. That's another headliner for a fight night, June 26th. Like Jesus Christ, well. how good is a heavyweight division right now? Oh, absolutely flying! They've, they've got to call it the Battle of Europe, right? Or the Battle of Europe? Like, it, for me, this kind of cements the winner as the next the next title contender, like without a doubt. I think it's it's a fantastic matchup. Um, don't get me wrong, Volkov's got like well, I think he'll have a sizable reach advantage over over Garn, um, mm-hmm. but I think Garn's too well rounded as a fighter. I, th- I think like well, we think, saw what Blades did to Volkov. He literally, literally yeah. just lay on top of him for twenty five minutes. And the difference is, Garn is nasty on the ground. Like Garn can throw submissions attempts. He can like hit you with elbows. Um, and I'm not, I'm not so sure Volkov's like not only necessarily got the, the the defense or the takedown defense or whatever. I don't think he's he got the stamina as well. The pace that Garn sets and fights at, and the way he controls pace as well. I don't, and also like Volkov's a great kickboxer, but then like Rosenstroik himself is a good kickboxer, and like there's something about Garn that makes people fight him at his own game, and I feel like Volkov will try to do the same, and may even get caught. Um, I feel like it'd be silly to write Volkov off here. Not gonna lie, because oh yeah, because yeah, because I like, I did his last fight against Overeem simply because I'm a big Overeem fan. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's, there's no way Overeem loses, and I mean that was domination, like. That wasn't even close. That fight was never close. So, you know, whatever Volkov's been doing in his last couple of camps, he's looked really good. I know that Greg Hardy fight was a bit of a sham matchmaking-wise, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, like, I'm a huge Gan fan as well, but Volkov looks so good in his last fight. I'm uh, I'm 50-50 split on this one. But um, yeah, that's uh, June 26th. Definitely one to look forward to. And then just literally before we started recording, another, uh, I don't know whether it's a headliner, but another one announced, Neil, it's probably not a headliner, Neil Magny against Jeff Neal. Um, both coming off a loss, but another banging fight. Like they just never stop. The matchmaking never stops right now. Yeah, that's a war. That's war written all over it. Uh, although to be fair, I don't know. Magny's last fight was incredibly boring, so I kind of hope. It. But Neil's not going to do that. Neil's not going to like try and take you down. He's gonna I quite enjoyed the chaser fight. To be fair, I like it was just such mad like scrambling uh, scrambles. All over the place. Yeah, and it was such a masterclass from from Chaser as well that it was quite yeah. enjoyable to watch. But um, I think yeah. I was more disappointed that Magny kind of didn't really have an answer. Mm. And I'm not necessarily sure he'll, he'll have an answer for Neil on the feet. I think like Neil got well pieced up by Wonderboy, but I don't know. I, I think Magni has too many holes in, in the stand-up game. And then uh, one that's been announced that's coming up very soon is uh, the gr- the greatest grappling matchup of all time: Juan Espino <laughs> versus Alexander Romanov. That's uh, next weekend in, on the Gastelum Whitaker card. Like, like we keep saying it after every fight, but this is another fantastic. Like, they're just the matchmaking right now is fantastic. It's so good. We couldn't and, we um, couldn't quite get Gordon Ryan. We can get Alexander Romanov. There we go. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Romanov literally won his last fight by just like punishing the guy's esophagus. <laughs> like he just lay there with his forearm on his throat until he couldn't breathe and passed out. Like it was the weirdest, maddest submission that I've seen in a while. And um, I mean, Espino's an absolute wizard on the mat. Yeah, it's, and it's quite a nice like Sambo versus like BJJ setup as well. Espino's clearly very talented on the ground, but but Romanov's very savvy in terms of his trips and like the little adjustments that he makes. So uh, again, like the ne- well, next week's card's like a banger anyway. But this little addition, I'm just like, yeah, keep them coming. I I'm better really not see for... any of one of those incidents where the two grapplers have a stand-up fight because neither of them quite can, you know, <laughs> gauge the distance right and get the takedown or the trip. Like, I don't want any of that shit. I want this on the mat, see what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, it's a, it's that that's actually 50 50 for me. I can't really pick it. Yeah, and then um, a few others that I thought we should mention. Bilal Muhammad. We just we just mentioned that Leon has got his fight against Nate Diaz. Obviously, Bilal will be fighting Damian Meyer next, which is kind of a weird matchup to be honest. But it's a retirement fight for Meyer. Yeah, probably probably, and, and a little bit of a a name to put on Bilal's ledger, kind of like a a reward for the uh, for the bullshit that happened to him against Leon. And I think we both agree that Leon probably would have won that fight, but it was still harsh on Bilal what happened. So. Um, yeah, it'd be good if he gets a good name, big name on his uh, on his CV there. As much as I love Maya, um, Angela Hill against Amanda Hibas, both that's a fight. Oh no, Hill's coming off a win. Sorry, Hill's coming off a win. Ribas is coming off a loss to um, to Rodriguez. Yeah, another, another banging fight. Um, Barcelos against Timo Valiev. Um, I, I was going to rage about this one. Go for it. What's the thing of this one? It's such a good fight that I don't want to rage about it. But what does Barcelos have to do to get a like a proper like a big name or a ranked opponent like come on man that the guy's an absolute beast and he's fan like we say about fan friendly fighters he is as much fan friendly as you can get like brings the heat yeah he, he goes out there to literally kill you with with leg kicks and uh, everything else you could want yeah i mean my personal gripe is that again it's a battle of the prospects like i don't know why they keep on doing it to me it, it's going to give me a, a heart attack or something um i, I think it's like Valiev's kind of a, like weirdly a name because obviously like Frank Yeager and um, I can't remember his coach's name, but like they, they're so high on Valiev. Like yeah. even before he joined the UFC, he was foreseen as like the future star in the making and what have you. But Barcelos is just a bad, bad man. Like he throws everything with venom. And I, I feel like if he takes out Valiev, that kind of sets him on the path. Like I feel like he'll climb the ladder even quicker, even yeah. though obviously it doesn't really much, make much sense in terms of the rankings. Well, that's, that's why I mentioned leg kicks is because in his last fight, all I could think was I've never seen someone throw calf kicks that angrily. Like <laughs> People are throwing calf kicks probably better and more powerfully, but he throws them like I'm. This calf has like hit his dog with a car or something. Like but also, he is going I mean, there he's to fought three round you. fights. Yeah. He throws every single like, well, I mean, his, his cardio is ridiculous because he keeps on throwing the same amount. Yeah, his pace is insane. Yeah. So I, I'm, I think it's a great matchup. I'm just a bit annoyed that it's happened so soon. And annoyed that it's not Sean O'Malley. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I would have loved to see those calf kicks tested out on Sean O'Malley. Um, Amir Albazi is fighting um, Ode Osborne. That's another, another banger. debut, isn't it? At flyweight. Yeah, yeah, he is, he is switching, yeah. Um, he got that crazy knockout in his last fight. Um, be interesting to see how he deals with a step-up in competition here. Albazi's a much better opponent than he's fought. Yeah, again, I mean, I think Osborne will have quite a bit of a height advantage. But I think yeah. Albazi. I think Albazi's yeah, quite re- gangly. <laughs> yeah, I think Albazi's. But I think Albazi's wrestling. Like if he gets his arms around your legs, he's going to take you to the mat. And I, yeah, I, and I, I think Keller has submitted Osborne, didn't he, in, in his UFC debut quickly, yeah. like first round. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky matchup for Osborne. But if I mean, if he wins, he steals all that hype that Albazi has. Speaking of battle of the prospects, uh, there's one. That we, we, there's so many fights that have been around, been announced today, but there's one we we can't not talk about. Um, Purely because I feel like they're going to feed Macy Barber to the to the Lions, but yeah, Macy Barber versus Miranda Maverick. Wow. Well, Macy Barber did say she wanted to be the youngest champion in history. She just didn't specify whether it was here or Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> so that's maybe what the plan is here. Yeah, I just, I mean, back to back defeats, and then to to pay you up with another prospect just shows they're going to try and build a name off another you, red they? hot prospect as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Maverick. Carry, like we say, Carrie Maverick brings it. I mean, you saw it, I think, uh, against uh, Jojua uh, on a debut and against Julian Robertson. She kind of like, well, she pretty much dominated jo- Robertson from like start to finish. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one for Macy. I mean, they both posted like pictures of themselves. Like, they seem really happy with the matchup on social media. But if I was Macy, I'd be a bit concerned that not necessarily the UFC are dropping me so quickly, but like, it's a must-win for her at this stage, which sounds crazy because only like I mean, everyone talks about how she's a prospect and what is she like twenty? I think she's twenty-one, twenty-two. I think actually she might be twenty-two. Yeah, she's twenty-two. Um, it's tough yeah, to mean, bounce back from three losses yeah, in a row. That's what you're exactly. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but well, not only that, it's, it's it's more the fact that like two fights at twenty-two isn't really or two fights in a row isn't really a bad thing at twenty-two. But like three fights in a losing three fights in a row at any age is. It's massively detrimental to your UFC career. Um, 
And against two prospects who are stealing all the shine as well. Like, yeah, nobody's going to care about Macy Barber after this. It's all going to be if if she loses, it'll be all about Miranda Maverick and then, of course, Alexa Grasso from her last fight. So, um, yeah, it's it's it is a very very tricky as far as must win fights go. This one's pretty tricky. Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, plenty of plenty of matchups to look forward to before we get into this weekend's card. But um, shall we get into this weekend's card? Yeah, go on then. Let's give it a bash. I mean, obviously, we got Vittori headlining the angriest man on the planet. Absolutely love everything. Don't mean Darren Till's best mate. <laughs> oh, did you see Till's post to him today? Just absolutely <laughs> rinsing him, saying he would be his easiest fight. And like, do you really think I faked a broken collarbone, you idiot? <laughs> like, absolutely hilarious. And you know Vittori will just come back with some angry, <laughs> some angry shit, which is great as well. Um, prelim, Prelim's got some absolute bangers on it, to be honest. I, I've seen some people talking shit about this card, but this is an interesting, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, a, a big card in terms of talent and big names, but it's an interesting, there's some sort of intriguing matchups on this card. Yeah, I mean, in because I know, I know input loss to to Joaquin Buckley, but before that, I was on the input train. I mean, even even now, I'm still on the input train. I think he's a really really good fighter. Um, he's dropping down to welterweight as well for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and um, Platnikov has looked brilliant since his debut. I, I've been really impressed with him. So again, yeah, he I brutalized hate... one of the was one of the Koski brothers off contender yeah. series, wasn't it? Absolutely brutalized him in his last fight. So yeah, I mean, don't blink. I That's about, all I'm going to say. Yeah, decent fight to kick off the prelims. <laughs> Um, then we got William Knight coming back after the uh, the fight Can't against Menafield. Yeah, trains with uh, Rob Font and Tyson Chartier. Oh, so. that's where Rob Font gets all that power from. It's training with William Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's another banger. I feel like, yeah, uh, I, I I think correct me if I'm wrong, but he beat um, Steve Bay's teammate. I can't remember his name off, off the top of my head. But, I can't. And, I can't help you because off the top yeah, of my head, my blank. memory's crap. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the two. We got two big boys here. We're going to go in and and go for it. Like again, um, don't blink. <laughs> yeah, Jung's last fight was class against Alvi as well, which um, I know is kind of Sam Alvi fights are always a little bit fun, but um, Jung played his part in that as well. And then uh, we got a couple contender series um, alums making their making their debuts. We've got Luis Saldana um, against Jordan Griffin. Jordan Griffin's on a bit of a slide. Lost three of his last four. And kind of feels I mean, like they're going to try and build him off, like yeah, build, build the prospect off yeah. the the faltering aging fighter. Yeah, um, I mean it's a tough matchup for Griffin, but I don't know. You never know with the contender series guys, do you? Like sometimes they look sick on contender series and then come in on their debut and they're like, oh, the guy they fought on contender series was probably just shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, a litmus test, isn't it? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact he's above, well, like. William Knight and whatever kind of gives you an inkling that the UFC are quite high on him. Um, yeah, I mean, his striking looked really slick in his contender series fight. Really good. I rewatched it last night. Yeah, I, I I think in terms of matchmaking, like Jordan Griffin, well, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's been in some like fun fights over the years. So it could be a sleeper on the prelims. I mean, yeah, like I was saying, all, all these matchups are pretty interesting. I'm just looking up who Jordan Griffin's couple losses are to. Like I said, he's lost three of his last four, but I can't actually remember who they're who they're against. So let me just bring that up. Um, yeah, I mean, who's the other contender series guy in this? Oh, um, Bahamondes, who had that insane front kick on on the same card as Saldana, I think he was. Oh yeah, but, um, Anderson Silver-esque. Yeah, yeah, Jordan. I mean that. Not now. I'm looking at it. It's not great. Um, he lost to Dan Eager in uh, in 2018, which is obviously no shame in that. Then he lost to Chaz Skelly. Then he beat T.J. Brown, and then he lost to Yusuf Salal, who was someone who had quite a lot of hype at that time and has since looked not very good in his last couple of fights. So, Bang average. Um, yeah, not not great signs there there for Griffin. But um, you know, experience might might uh, might win the day. I mean, we've been wrong before, haven't we? Like we've said, like oh, these guys are on their way out. And they pull out. I, I can't remember. I think it was like the January card. We were like, "Oh, this guy's going to like get absolutely pasted," and they pulled off a ridiculous KO. So, who knows? And then um, another one you're you're most excited to talk about. Hunter Azarov versus Jack Shaw. <laughs> yes. Jack Shaw, thirteen and 2 and zero in the UFC. Um, do you think this is going to be easy for Jack Shaw? No, it, it, it's a any, anyone thinking it's a give is a give me as an idiot. Andre Azaray, apart from his loss to Brian Kelleher, has looked very, very solid in the UFC. Um, 
I just think Jack Shaw's too good. I, I think like the, there's being a well-rounded mixed martial artist, and then there's being like a well-rounded mixed martial artist with a ridiculous fight IQ. And I think um, like the work that he and Richard have done um, over at Shaw MMA, like yeah, I, I, know, I know they've been putting a lot into this fight camp. He hasn't fought um, for ages, and I think he's looking to make a bit of a statement. His cardio looks ridiculous. Um, he's been grappling with some big boys as well. Like he's been bra- grappling with like um, Brett Johns, and he weighs more than him, and and Oban Elliott, and I think he's actually been training with Jack Marshman as well. But yeah, I'm just excited to see him back. I feel like it's been too long since we've seen the tank back in the cage, and wow. I feel I feel like if he, if he puts together a a bit of a run, could see another rising contender. Well, I know you're going to hate this because you hate when we when we pair off prospects. You always say it, um, ruining one of them. But I was looking at the rankings earlier, and I was thinking, okay, if he gets a really impressive win here um, on RankingMMA.com, he's number forty-four, and just um, what is it? Eight spaces ahead of him there is Adrian Yanez. That's a banger. That's a banger. I mean, if Shaw comes in here and gets like a first round submission or like a beautiful display of striking over fifteen minutes, like. Anything like that, I feel like that could be one they look to make. Maybe on that, um, I can't remember whether it was UFC 263 Yanez was asking to be on. Um, maybe maybe on one of those if, if Shaw has a quicker turnaround. Or maybe on the undercard of like Dustin Connor 3. Yeah, it could be, could be. Or maybe uh, Jonathan Martinez, another one I looked at, obviously coming off the loss of Davy Grant, um, quite a bit higher than, um, than Jack Shaw, but obviously coming off a loss of Shaw wins, that would be uh, maybe a potential one to look at. Yeah, he just needs momentum now. He needs like three fights this year to just continue to climb up the rankings. Been a bit derailed by COVID and visa issues and what have you, but I'm just really excited to see him back. Cage Royce Champ has looked fantastic ever since he joined the UFC. Dane is really high on him. Um, says he's the best prospect from Europe, which is just mad praise. So, I mean, I don't know if you've actually seen any of his Insta story, but he's, been, he's actually been driving around like a Lamborghini <laughs> on Instagram. Um, I thought I saw him tweet like, he has the worst car in the UFC. No, no, no. I mean, that was not, Mason Jones. That yeah, was Mason yeah, yeah, Jones yeah. tweeting no, something not, like, I no, definitely no. have the worst car in the UFC. Not, not like, not his, obviously, a rental, but yeah. Wait, what am I saying? Lamborghini, limousine is what I mean. Apologies, it's late. Yeah, limousine. He's been driving around. I'd rather a Lambo than a limousine. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think this will play out on the feet? Because I would, I would like to see his striking because. I'm not the uh, the in-depth cage warriors expert that you are, and so far in his career, in his UFC career from for Jack Shaw, we've mostly seen how good he is on the ground. I mean, we know how good he is on the ground, but I'd like to see his striking. I think I mean I think he could piece him up. I think he's got really crisp boxing, um, won a couple of belts over on the UK, but I, yeah, I, I mean his submission game is ridiculous, right? Like we've seen it since yeah, his he made debut. It, on his debut, he made it look easy. Yeah, and I feel like. Azure is good, but I'm not necessarily sure he's got the same facets. I don't think he's got like such a well-rounded skill set to to hang or even to stand and bank. Is like we haven't really seen him. I don't think he's stopped anyone in the UFC. I could be wrong. I, I feel like I'm pretty sure he hasn't. I'm not looking at that, but <laughs> he got he got destroyed by um by Boom Kelleher, which um was a pretty memorable knockout. So um yeah, maybe maybe Shaw could. Uh, I just want to see Jack Shaw versus PCN at some point. The, the the back and forth between the two is just hilarious. You, you have to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, and then um, switching uh, switching weight classes sw- uh, quite significantly. Got Jorgen De Castro against uh, Jarges Daniel, who I have to say sounds like a character from Game of Thrones. He sounds like, I was like gonna one say of Carl Drogo's right hand men. Oh, he does. <laughs> yeah, I could see Star Wars, but I was thinking like one of Drogo's buddies, um, Jarges Daniel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if it doesn't come out in like a. Or, or playing the music, or, or wearing like a De Niro's wig. Imagine he did. He comes robbed. out. He comes out playing the music, like <laughs> carrying dragon eggs. Um, <laughs> don't think he's going to do that. But yeah, he's not fought since 2016. He had yeah. a draw in 2016. That was his last fight. It's it's a rebuilding matchup. It's probably the best way of describing it. Like, I think De Castro's last fight, then he lose to Greg Hardy. I could be wrong. Uh, I think he's lost two on the skid. He lost to um, was it Carlos Philippe? And then, oh yes, and of Greg Hardy before that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, two on the bounce. I think the Philippe fight it could have been a Hardy fight. One of those fights he got he got injured early. And yeah, he broke it was his a toe, really didn't he? it was a really boring, weird decision um, mm. loss because he he said he was injured and, and was struggling. But um, yeah, like you say, for both guys, it's kind of like okay, I this is like a chance of, you need to win. 
this isn't just because of his, his 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 body shape, and I don't, I'm I'm not trying to fat shame him or anything, but I feel like he's a bit like a Mark Hunt. Like you know what he's going to bring to the table. A bit like two old men outside with spoons, just stand and bang, and not much else. But it's entertaining. That's why he's so high up on the prelims. You know it's going to be a, a banger. Yeah, Again, I mean, if he does what pick. he did to Justin Taffer, then yeah, don't all of a sudden all the hype's right back, even after the, the couple of losses. Yeah, exactly. R.I.P. Justin Taffer. Um, next next one, we got another another contender series alum that I mentioned a little while ago, Ignacio Bahamandes, who had that absolutely insane what front pronunciation. Um, oh. I know, mate, smashing it. Um, that was a weird fight, his contender series fight. I, I watched the, the two fights I watched back last night before we spoke about these today was the two contender series guys with Saldana and Bahamandes. His fight on the contender series was really weird. His opponent, I don't know, I feel his opponent was like a, I don't, we just said we ought a fat shame, but was just a little fat guy who didn't really do much um, <laughs> and like kind of tried to wrestle, but wasn't really fully committed to, to wrestling. And I mean, the most notable thing was Bahamandes was like twice as high. He's like six foot three, which at lightweight is insane. Yeah, I, I feel like with this matchup again, it's just like getting a name as Ledger. Like McAdesi has been around the UFC for ages. But hasn't really like pushed on and done really many great things. So yeah, for Bahamondos again, imagine if you put some away, immediately putting yourself up there in terms of like climbing the rankings really quickly. Uh, a great match making again though. I think to be honest, all I could think when I was watching Bahamondos is if this guy fights a good grappler, and I don't think Macadese is it, I think it'll just be a stand-up battle. But if this guy fights a guy with you know a good single leg and good jujitsu, he's fucked. <laughs> because he like like I said, his opponent really didn't show much offensively, but you could see he wasn't really sure what he was supposed to be doing defending takedowns. And that's probably why they paired him up with Macadese, because again, yeah. he's not a good and like, anything, is he? he he defended takedowns by being way too big for the other guy, basically. Like he was like, I'm, there's no way you're gonna take me down because I'm too big and too strong for you. It wasn't technical at all and um yeah like you said it's probably why they've given him mcdacy but if he wins this and then gets in there with someone with a bit more well-rounded skill set um that is going to be an insta bet on the other guy <laughs> for me yeah on to the next one what we got um erin blanchfield finally oh, making a ufc debut so much hype about her um pretty big underdog here i wrote an article about her this week actually yeah a massive underdog well, and i, I can't quite yours, understand mate. why that's pieced up. Uh, there we go. It's fine. I think I'm back. I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. You're yes. good. Sorry. Um, yeah, Aaron Black. Uh, well, the only loss, in the, uh, may I add, highly controversial loss is a split decision loss to UFC, not really stand up, but your fellow UFC prospect, Tracy Cortez. Um, she's fought in Invicta, a bunch of other promotions, and she's beaten some like decent level opposition. I think she's got all the tools to make a bit of a run in what is relatively a shallow division. Don't forget, Norma Dumont for rest in peace, Megan Anderson. Um, <laughs> Megan Anderson and got, well, decapitated. It's probably the best way of describing it. And if, yep, if, if Blanchfield can make a bit of a statement, who knows what can happen. Again, I, know, I think so Dumont, the reason the odds are so much in her favour is because of her last fight though, wasn't it? Um, Ashley Evans-Smith, she absolutely pieced her up. She looked really good in that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, again, I think, like, there's a reason why Blanchfield's main prelim, like, or the top of prelims, clearly really on her. Yep. Matchmaking, clearly. Well, I, I don't really understand why she, I understand because she's a prospect and because she's so young, but I'm a bit surprised that she's such a massive underdog, just considering what she's already done in her, again, very, very short career. Fledgling career, yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think I'll probably start with Dumont, but. With where the odds are at, it's it's hard to, to resist having a little cheeky dabble on Blanchfield there. Um, Scott Holtzman and Mateus Gamrot. This is another one I'm, that I find is really interesting. Holtzman, I feel like maybe this could be his last fight. I don't know what his contract situation is, but I know he just got absolutely destroyed by by Darius in his last fight. And this will be his last fight. Gamrot's going to absolutely murder him. Uh, yeah, and I the, the thing about Gamrot is after that close decision loss, which. I think it was the right. I still think it was the right decision. I know a lot of people disagree with the decision against Kutaladze, but because it was such a close loss and it was such a technical, I mean, it was high pace, but it was so technical. I feel like he might just come in here like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm not letting this go to the judges. Like, I feel like he's going to come in here like on a path of vengeance. I think well, I've, seen, I've seen like videos of him sparring at ATT and the man just looks angry. Like, this isn't, like, this, this is angry. Like, the guy looks 
like rage fueled, like Vittori level angry. Yeah, and I mean, like some of his, his, his press conferences in KSW were quite spicy with like Norman Park and stuff. But I don't know, I'm really high on Gamrot. I have been, regardless of his loss on his debut. I think like I'd like to see him fight Mason Jones at some point, just because I think that would be an absolute war. Um, Stop I, trying I, to kill Mason Jones when he's only <laughs> just started, man. You're Mike Davis, Dan Gamrot. <laughs> Damn. I just don't. I just. Don't, I can't see anywhere that Holtzman has enough to trouble him. So. Yeah. Yeah. And me, that's no disrespect Gamrot. to Holtzman. That's just that Gamrot is so good. Like, let's not forget this guy was what like twenty and zero or something before he fought Kinsalante. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, that was a mega close decision against an excellent performance from Kutalante as well. So, not you know, no real shame in. In losing his O to that one, and um, now the weirdest. I was oh. going to ask you, what do you think about this being the featured prelim? I mean, I guess they're trying to build Joe Selecki, but of, of, the, of the of the names we just mentioned, right? Like William Knight, Imbrakasanyo, Palatnikov, Blanchfield. Joe Selecki is just like the strangest. I don't know. Maybe I'm being really disrespectful. Maybe it's, but... maybe it's Jim Miller they're trying to build back up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Like he's going for know, Cerrone's record. Jim Miller, Joe Selecki, kind of a kind of an inter- interesting fight. Fair enough. But there are so many prospects on the. I mean, in, like you say, Impa Kasangane against Palatnikov. That could, you know, that's a. I doubt it would be a feature prelim, but that's an absolute banger. Like a war come in. Jack and Shaw. He's been in the like, two and nine. Yeah. Jack Shaw, undefeated prospect. Like you know, like you just said, that Dane is super high on. You got, you know, Dumont and Blanchfield, another one that there's a lot of hype about. Gamrot, like we just said, undefeated until his last fight. And then you go with Joe Selecki and Jim Miller as the future prelim. Again, as I say, they're just got, he's trying to go for the Serrani's record. That's the only thing I can think of. Man, I, I can't help but think Jim Miller by guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> just, no matter how much I doubt him, like, I, it's the only thing I can see happening in every one of his fights, just because he's Jim Miller. That's the only plausible outcome. That's yeah, the only possible uh, outcome. There's nothing else can happen. What is happening to my internet? That's the real question. Okay, there we go. I think I'm fine. Jim Miller's guillotined it. <laughs> yeah, BT are choking me out. That's probably the best way of describing it. Uh, what's next? Who? Oh, how could? Uh, what am I? What am I meaning? What's next? The curtain. What's raising. next is the main Fight card starting with yeah, Mike Perry, Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, every Mike Perry fight is Mike Perry-ish. <laughs> like he just goes in there. Gets up to some wild shenanigans, goes There's two guys with no game plan whatsoever. Yeah. I'm and so up for this fight. The thing with Rodriguez is he I, I was starting to think, wow, he's not just got great power and sort of finishing instincts, he's quite like technical as well. And I okay, okay maybe I'm being a bit harsh here. He is still quite technical. But in his last fight against Dalby, Dalby. it was almost like yeah. Dalby came out in his little weird Dalby stance. And then Rodriguez was just like, well, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> it's like he had no idea what to do. So against Mike Perry, who never looks like, you know, either he or his opposition have any idea what they're doing because of just the way he fights. It's like a brawl every time. This is guaranteed to be a wild one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, Clara everywhere is how I kind of imagine this fight ending. Um, not really sure in which direction either because, as you say, like, Rodriguez has looked mint and then he's looked, like, terrible. And the, there's no, yeah. I tween. mean, the Dalby performance was so weird. Like I said, it was like Dalby had his little karate stance, and and Daniel Rodriguez was like, Okay, well, I can't hit him, he's too he's too far away. What do I do? Like, it was literally like he had no idea how to but, adjust. But I think the thing that's the most exciting about it, like, both these guys are just going to walk forward and meet in the middle, and that's all we want to see as fans. Like, I, I yeah, just I think there's been some pretty uh, harsh words from Rodriguez in the press this week as well, basically saying, like, I'm, I'm going in there to, to put this guy away and, and humiliate him, basically. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I honestly think this is going to be fight of the night. And then probably what's not going to be fight of the night, <laughs> Nina Ansarov against Mackenzie Dern. Um, never forget when uh, Randa Marcos went and jumped into Mackenzie Dern on the on the ground, which was uh, <laughs> probably the, the worst bit of fight IQ I've ever seen. Um, but then obviously Dern, after that, got the decision win against um, Werner Jandidoba. And Nina Ansarov is coming off a, a little bit of a layoff after being um, pregnant with uh, hers and Amanda Nunez's baby. And her last loss was Tatiana Suarez, which, you know, no, no shame. Yeah. yeah. I turn sub. <laughs> that's it. That, that's my I feel like she might struggle to get her down. I, I can't remember what the exact stat is, but I, I saw some stat that, and I, I might be butchering this completely. It might not even be even close to this bad, but... Um, apparently Dern's like only landed one takedown of her last like 17 attempts or some shit like that something crazy She's it may not be 17 but 
She's been doing a lot of, a lot of work at RVCA with um, Cheeto and, and Bisping and a bunch of others. I think Rockhold as well, bizarrely. If you've seen that weird video on um, oh, yeah. we talked about the other day, didn't we? Yeah, I, I I feel like she's kind of added more depth to her game, like more more weapons to her arsenal. So I kind of the opportunity is is there for Mackenzie Jones to make a bit of a statement and yeah, and Ansaros beat some really good opponents as well. Like before yeah. the loss to uh, to Suarez, she was on a great run. So, but even the loss know, to Suarez, a, a like, there moments, wins this. Even the loss to Suarez, there were moments in that fight where like. She did pretty good. So mm-hmm. again, props to Mackenzie Dan she comes through. If Nina Ransoff pulls it off, so that's like I'd argue that's like one of the greatest comebacks in the UFC. Like giving birth and then coming back against uh, one of the best grapplers in the UFC. Yeah, because it's not like she's just coming back and winning a fight. She's coming back and be winning a fight against one of the top like rising prospects at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've if you've seen the pictures this week of her, she looks in insanely good shape. She's absolutely ripped. Yeah, all the while, like, carrying a baby around and having to do, like, mum duties and what have you. Again, I take my mouth to her. I think it's amazing. Yeah, and What's then, um, speaking of mum duties, Julian Marquez is hoping to have some, <laughs> some mum duties with Miley Cyrus. Um, Julian Marquez against Sam Alvey. I feel like they're trying to build Julian Marquez here. Like, I love Sam Alvey. I don't As know I why, said, though, All his fights guys... are fun. But I feel like this is kind of, let's get him a, a, semi, a semi-known name who fights fun and will, you know, deliver a fan-friendly fight that he can probably win. That's what this feels like to me. Yeah, it's just a shame he's so bad on the mic. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree, mate. I think, uh, yeah, it's there for Marquez to make a bit of a statement. If he doesn't, well, Alvi gets another, I don't know, like, veteran, <laughs> veteran fight. That's a veteran, veteran performance. Fans. Yeah. And the next fight, that's cancelled, isn't it? Yeah, um, unfortunately, Carl Dorcas against um, Kizriev, another contender series guy. Um, and I, I was going to have a cheeky bet on uh, Dorcas here as an underdog because Kizriev, I don't know if you've seen him fight, but guy, great nickname, One by dimensional. the way. The Black Wolf. Um, <laughs> he, he comes out like an absolute madman. Like he just comes out and throws everything, like the kitchen sink and more um, from the off. So I feel like Dorcas showed he was so tough in his debut against um, Brendan Allen. I was kind of hoping have a little cheeky bit on Dorcas here. He survives that initial onslaught, and then once the cardio wears down for Kizriev, then uh, then Dorcas can take over. But yeah, that's off for I think one of them tested positive for COVID. Yeah, again, battle. I think it's been rebooked. Um, I think like next month. Again, battle the prospects. Staying what are you doing to me? Um, yeah, I, I'll, I I I would. I'm inclined to agree with you, but then like having a look at Kizriev's tape. The car is just a monster, so it's kind of hard to bet against him because I feel like he's a bit like Kamzat. Uh, so, I mean, he um, could, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong, and my verdict was terrible, and he'll be another Hamzat. But I don't know it's just the way he came, like the way he came out in the couple fights that I, that I watch highlights of, and obviously the contender series fight that we all saw. Um, I, it, like I can just totally see him being one of those classic situations where gassing. a debutant with a load of hype comes in, blows his load in the first round, and then is gassed for the final ten minutes and has no chance. And like I said, Dorcas, it was a brutal <laughs> debut against uh, against Allen, but he showed a lot of heart and a lot of toughness. Yeah, survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. So yeah, we'll now, the, now to the fight that the, the only fight that I care about on the main card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've been complaining about pairing off prospects. That's what this is, isn't it? It is. It is. But finally, Arnold Allen gets a big fight. That's all I care about. The guy gets a chance to make a bit of a statement. I, I feel like I've said like. Perry versus Rodriguez is going to be fight. This is going to be fight of the night. Let's be honest. Like, I I can't see Perry yeah. Rodriguez being fight of the night. Perry Rodriguez is just like shenanigans. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, yeah. I think this is like the actual fight of the night, though. I think, I think Arnold's experience. I think he'll have a bit too much for Sadiq, and I'm really, really hard on Sadiq. Like, in fact, I actually wrote an article a couple of years ago where both of these guys were in like my prospects of the year um, list. So it's quite nice to see them. Feeling pretty vindicated there, are you? Looking yeah, very yeah. smug. Um, yeah. I know my <laughs> but, shit. What um, can I say? No, <laughs> I think Yusuf's probably got you. Could, you could probably argue has the better strength of competition on his recent record. Um, he beat Andre Feely in his last fight, which is obviously a, a big scalp for any prospect to to take. Um, Alan though hasn't lost since what, like 2014 or 15 or something on Cage Warriors. Like, yeah, he he doesn't know what losing feels like anymore. Yeah, and, and trains with GSP, TriStar. Like, come on. The guys like fight. I I talk about fight IQ all the time, but like Arnold Allen is so good at like 
controlling a fight at his own pace. And um, who, who did he fight previously? I should know this. The one he poked in the eye. Oh my god, what's his name? I have to look it up quickly. I honestly don't remember. The veteran who's just retired. The veteran who's just retired. Who would that? I don't know. Oh my god, I can't remember his name. Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz. There we go. Prior yes. to the eye poke. Even even prior to the eye poke. Alan was controlling distance, controlling range. Oh, and Gilbert Melendez before that, just wiping out vets. Um, yeah, I mean, Melendez like on his record. So yeah, I mean, not exactly bad names there. No, I, I feel like it's kind of like the prime opportunity for either pair to like propose themselves up the rankings. Um, I just, again, I just think Alan's got got a bit too much. And then the main event. Talking of having too much for someone. <laughs> I think we're we're in agreement here, aren't we? That this is a, another terrible matchup for Kevin Holland. Yeah, because they put him in with a guy who's basically Derek Brunson, but throws heat and is just constantly angry all the time. Well, I think Derek Brunson with a more maybe not rounded skill set. That's kind of harsh on Brunson because he can strike, but with that that has shown an ability to to use that skill set more in recent more, fights. More intent. It's yeah. probably the best way to describe it. Like everything Vittori throws. He throws with spite and not like there's a nastiness to him, right? Like you talk about like cage fighters, MMA fighters, Vittori is that. He's he's been through like well, middleweight is full of killers and he's been through them all. Like he, he's fought them all. Adesanya, he took to a very close decision, which some may argue that he actually won. I'm not in that camp, but but some may argue that. Um and it's it's a tough fight for Cot Holland on ten days' notice. Like that, that, I think that is the type of the quickest turnaround in UFC history. I, I understand the argument that maybe Holland's like striking will, will cause Vittori problems. I think he is Holland... a better striker, but I can't see it mattering because Vittori's like tough and extremely difficult to knock out. And then if he does feel in danger, I feel like he can easily get this to the mat and do what he yeah. does best. And and I think Holland Holland doesn't have one punch power, right? Like yeah. even when he knocked out Buckley, that was after like what two rounds of the two just trading bombs with each other, mm-hmm. and I don't yeah, think an accumulation even, of damage. You can't you can't trade bombs with Vittori. Like, he hasn't got any knockouts recently. I think he um, who did he submit? Uh, Robertson. Yes, again. Like, I think that's where Vittori's anger really uh, <laughs> really flourished in the build up to that fight. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just, like he was already an angry man before, but that's that's what he became like the Vittori we see today, who just wants a- to kill angry everyone. Luigi. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to this fight. Uh, to, to be fair, I kind of prefer this fight to the Till fight, just because I kind of want to see Till fight like Acosta or a Cannonier. But I don't know. Yeah, Till Cannonier would be would be pretty fun when they both recover from their injuries. I don't know. I feel like Holland's. Um, he said he's not going to talk as much this time, but he's still going to talk because he's Kevin Holland. I feel like he's talking. This could be the worst person to talk because, like, most people would be like, "Oh, he's just having a joke." Like, I don't know. Red if you've seen the, uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the clip with um with the Jack Ray knockout when it, when it's like there's no set you you know you cut out the other sound and just hear them talking where like Jack Ray's kind of doesn't like, like Jack Ray hit him. He's like, "Oh yeah, that was nice, Jack Ray." Yeah, he says that was nice, Jack, and and Jack Ray kind of like smiles and like he's got you know he's got a bit of sportsmanship there, but it's you won't get cute, any yeah. of that from Vittori. Like if he does it to Vittori, Vittori's just gonna be like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like, there's literally no love loss there. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know. I just feel like Vittori is so primed to make a bit like he looked really good against Jack Madsen. And that yeah, he, he looked amazing. And let's just add, like, we talk about taking fights on short notice. Vittori took that fight on short notice. Yeah. Um, I, I think Hamansa was meant, wasn't Hamansa meant to fight till? Or am I mistaken? Um, my memory's gone, but yeah, I think so. Like, I feel like Vittori, I, again, I, I kind of want to see the Vittori Adesanya rematch at some point. So I, I, and I think I don't think Holland's quite ready for that next step up. And like we saw, we saw him no. come short against against Branson. Like I kind of put Branson and Vittori in the same bracket. So, yeah, I, I think it all points towards Vittori getting the win and then calling for a title shot, to be honest. Do you think he gets that title shot? Because I can't see nah. that happening. No, nah, there's, there's, there's too many other... Well, I say there's too many other... There aren't really any... There aren't well, really if, if Whitaker wins next week, then it's no yeah, question it has exactly, to be him. Exactly. Yeah. Rob's got to get the rematch. Bobby I Nuggles mean, if, if you're Vittori, you've got to basically be rooting for Gastel next week. Yeah, and no, we, we all know how unlikely that is, let's be honest. So yeah, I'm, I'm just—I think it's a really fun card. I've, I've seen a bit of criticism online, but I think the more you read into it, like there, there are some fights that could potentially be in the, the shout for fight of the year. To be honest, 
Yeah, I can see that. Um, well, since you're picking Allen and Sadiq Yusuf for the uh, for the fight tonight, I'll go with um, with the opener. I'll go with Impa against Palatnikov, just because Palatnikov put on an absolute beatdown on his last fight, and we know Impa is uh, is a brilliant fighter, even despite the uh, the only clip that uh, any sure casual has ever long. seen of him. <laughs> with, with that, I'm genuinely not sure it lasts that long. Like, I've been looking at Palatnikov's record, and I've been watching a couple of his fights on like the regional circuit. I'm just. I don't know, part of me just thinks, like, again, don't blink. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what Impa looks like at welterweight as well for that one. Like, I think it is his first ever fight at welterweight. That could that could be complete bullshit, but I think it's the first time he's dropped down. So, you know, maybe he was just a little bit too small for the, you know, for the middleweights, but um, he didn't look too small. So I feel like he's going to look like an absolute monster against welterweights. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Should uh should we wrap Should it up? We wrap up? Yeah, we wrap I think up? so. I can't think of anything else to talk about. I mean, we can talk about this weekend's Bellator card, but <laughs> no one wants us to do <laughs> Absolutely that. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, I don't want that, that. You don't want that. No one wants is that. that. That is on the BBC, though, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think they're all on the BBC for the foreseeable future. But um, maybe in the in the time between. Oh, the Cage Warriors! They announced the new trilogy, card, didn't they? Won't be a shit. Cage Warriors announced the new trilogy for June, July, August. I think. I think it might be, yeah, I think it's June, July, August. And there might be crowds back as well. I can't wait. Hopefully we can go. Fingers crossed. Providing oh, the and I'm interviewing Ian, Gra- Ian Gary. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> you better bring back some uh, some spicy quotes and exclusives here for the... Uh, oh, did, for the you see, did you see once Mike Perry in his first in his UFC debut? <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd probably... Uh... You probably get it to be fair. I'd Perry, love that Perry fight purely for a press conference. If Gary wins his next fight, gets a UFC contract, and Perry loses this... That's the one they could easily make. Yeah, big name. Big scalp. Right, we done? I can go celebrate Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, you enjoy that, mate. You enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up. We'll uh, we'll be back next week. And as always, probably have plenty of egg on our face when all of our predictions turn out to be terrible. But um, yeah, peace. Cheers. <laughs>